These shared practices are testament to the resilience and perseverance of many cultures throughout the world. The exhibition features artists Mona Cliff, Wansu Kim, Hung Lee, Jada Patterson, Jason Wang, and Aaliyah Washington. Belgian Crane Yard Studios is at 2011 Tracy Avenue, DCMO. Catch the Mardi Gras vibe with Ernest James Zydeco, a Kansas City seven-piece band that will play traditional Louisiana-style Zydeco music on Thursday, February 8th at 7 p.m. at the Olathe Public Library at their Indian Creek location, 16100 West 135th Street in Olathe. For more information on these and many other events in our area, go to kkfi.org slash arts kc go hi this is joe mama you're listening to 90.1 fm kkfi kansas city community radio the views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 fm kkfi midcoast radio project or its staff and volunteers about it is appealing everything that traffic will allow no way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow there's no people like show people they smile when they are long yesterday they told you you would not go far that night you open and there you are next day on your dressing room they Costumes, the scenery, the makeup, the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down. The headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops, the sheriff who escorts you out of town. The opening when your heart beats like a drum. The closing when the customers don't come. word before the show has started that your favorite uncle died at dawn and top of that your palm i have parted you're broken hearted but you go on there's no people like show people they smile when they are long even with a turkey that you know Well, hello and welcome to this final Monday edition, actually, of the KKFI Arts Magazine show. I'm Michael Hogue, your host. Glad to have you with us on this Monday here in Kansas City. How are you doing out there? (laughs) Right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. A lot of the shows are changing um, days and times that they're on. Ours is one of them. 
So beginning next week, instead of being on Monday at noon, I'll be on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. So a lot of uh, the talk shows have been moved uh, to earlier in the day. Uh, so more, more music shows will be on during the midtime. This is, uh, was a long time coming, and, and it's now. And if you have any questions, just uh, go online to kkfi.org, where you will hear the, uh, you can see anyway, the full computation of, of where, what's on where. But we will be on next Tuesday at 9 o'clock p.m. And I already have guests set up. So, <laughs> so for me, nothing really changes except for when I'm here. So uh, I hope uh, all that will work out for all of you. We're, we got, we've got here the, the barn players of, uh, once again, Johnson County. The, the barn players at one time held the record, my unofficial record, of the most moves of any theater group in the area. And it goes way back. I remember auditioning for a barn show in the late 70s. And uh, they were at Johnson County Community College then. But, They've been a million places since then. So uh, they have uh, made their way uh, through the desert and have found the promised land back in Johnson County. <laughs> and if we have time later on, we might run down some of that. But we're uh, going to talk about the show first here. It's an Agatha Christie. What an interesting lady. All, all the characters and all the... Can you imagine how her mind went? <laughs> she just... Uh, you know, she, she probably thought about these things every waking hour for her, the stories that she wrote and all the details that would go into them. And she uh, has several fine plays that she's written, along with all the books that you can. They're all in the library if you've missed them. So you can always go back then. It's called Witness for the Prosecution. Typical Christie title. And with us to tell us all about this mystery, and, and they're all mysteries, are Kevin Myers plays the role of Sir Wilfred Robarts in the show. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you very much. Glad to have you with us here today. And Sarah Lee Kahn is with us. She plays the role of Romaine Vole. Is that yes, how I'm saying? Yes, yes. Thanks yeah. for having us, Michael. Well, it's nice to have you. It's nice to have two people I haven't met before. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. How long have you all been interested in doing theater? Oh, well, want me to start, Kevin? Sure, I think, I think you <laughs> should. Go ahead. Well, my saga, a little bit of it anyway, is that I was a child actor in Kansas City, did TV and, re and uh, community theater, even Starlight when wow. I was a kid, yes. Yeah. Went to New York to make my way on the, what is it, the Great White Way. Okay. Uh, and I found that everybody else in New York was also the star of their local communities, <laughs> and I wasn't all that. <laughs> in fact, I I'm sure that's not true. It, it, well, it, it really is. I remember, you know, I did the kind of usual thing of looking for work, like regular work, to support my acting happened until I broke in and... Uh, I went to a Burger King, I'll never forget, because it was one of the you know, first weeks that I was in New York, and I was like bright and bushy-tailed with my tap shoes in my suitcase, you know, here I am! And the woman who was interviewing me for a job at Burger King heard my story, you know, just getting off the, off the bus, as it were, and she said, honey, you are a dime a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to New York. <laughs> right, welcome to New York. But I, I remember thinking, oh no, I'm not. I'm going to show you, yes. <laughs> right? And um, so I made my way uh, through some uh, years in New York, including um, 
I once auditioned for, I don't know if you know Elizabeth Suedos. She wrote the show Runaways, and she, I think she died recently. Hmm. She was a very wonderful, at the time, cutting edge composer and director. Anyway, she was doing a show at the time, a new show at the Public Theater, um, Joseph Papp, at the time, Joseph Papp's New York Public Theater, which was a plum job, you know, a plum job. And it was a musical, and they rarely did musicals. And I remember that I walked into the, the one of the smaller theaters at the public, and um, for the audition. And she was sitting there. There was no one else in the room but the accompanist and Liz Suato sitting in the audience with her brand new Saint Bernard puppy, <laughs> who was I mean, I don't know if you've seen a Saint Bernard puppy. They are big. Okay, just the two of them and and the accompanist behind the piano. So I went and handed my music to the accompanist for my 16 bars, you know, and I started singing to Liz because she was the only person there. And all of a sudden, someone comes in, and I'm sit starting to sing. Someone comes in to get Elizabeth uh, out of the room because she apparently had a phone call or I don't know what. And I didn't know what to do, so I kept singing. And I realized I'm singing to a St. Bernard puppy. <laughs> and I'm singing, and the dog is looking at me, and I'm singing to the dog. And all of a sudden, I hit the last note. And Liz walks back in at that moment and looks at me and she goes, thank you very much. <laughs> Got to stay on schedule. <laughs> sort of reminds me, do you recall the old uh, Marlo Thomas situation comedy, That Girl? Uh -huh. sure. Very similar to your story. Oh, my God. That was just one of them. <laughs> okay, so now we've all aged ourselves right up front. <laughs> That's right. I oh. remember working with a young man. This has been years ago. And he was convinced by his friends to go to New York. Because he said, in New York, you can audition for something every day. Uh, the odds of getting something are, are, are you know, better than they would be normally. Of course, New York is a lot bigger, so that, that's really not true. But he, he told me about the time. Well, he has since come back. He told me about the time. All the excitement was going around the, uh, the village that this, uh, this out-of-town company was auditioning people. And there was a lot of possible jobs waiting there. And so they were all very excited about this. So he went to the audition. It was the Kansas City Repertory Theater. Uh, <laughs> oh, how fun. He also could have auditioned here. Yeah. But he had, had to, to go, go to New all York. All the way. Had to New York, York to do that. To too. come home again. <laughs> That's right. What, what about Kevin? Uh, do, you, do you like our Kevin or just Kevin? No, it's just Kevin. Okay, um, Kevin. There's, I, I, that, that's too long to talk about. <laughs> um, okay. my, you know, my dad's name is Evan. He's passed now, but his name is Evan. And so um, I was named after my, uh, my mother's um, brother. Hello, Mom. Um, Richard. And then uh, my middle name's Kevin, you know, kind of after my dad. But I've always gone by Kevin. Um, and my story is, well, it's short. <laughs> <laughs> I started in eighth grade. Um, doing a play that had been written by the drama teacher herself. And after that, I decided I never wanted to be off stage again. No. But I did um, take a break after I, had, um, after I got married and had kids. I stopped. The last thing I did, um, and, and it's all in Kansas City, the last thing I did was in 2000, when I was in 19, 
84. Wow, that with, is a long time off. With like actors mm-hmm. ensemble. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first got out of college, I worked at Tiffany's Attic for a show, and that's a whole story in its own. Um, but then uh, after about 24 years of not doing anything, I started again in 2007, and I've worked you know, in several different community theaters since then. Well, the bite didn't really take for you then early on. You know, you know the bite. Uh. No, I, I always <laughs> wanted to be doing something, but in the effort to try to, you know, uh, build a business and uh, raise my family, sure. I just did not set aside the time to do this until that kind of stuff got um, reasonably well situated. The acting not perfectly bug. <laughs> situated, but reasonably well. The acting bug bites pretty hard. And the sad thing, folks, for those of you who don't know, there's no cure. (laughs) (laughs) Not that we want a cure. You have to learn to live with it. but uh, Only the performance is the cure. That's 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 right. Unfortunately, we can't do this by ourselves in a studio with the paintbrush and a canvas. We, We need the play. We need the community of actors we need the director we need the venue right we need the lights and the sound we can't just and the audience and the audience i mean that's what's so exciting i think about live theater is the, the exchange of energy that you get in front of an audience they're there they're bringing their spirit their energy their imagination we're there creating this story in the dark and we feel that we feel we need it right we need that relationship with the audience it's unlike any other experience um i i like to audition in fact i might it might be said my favorite thing is to do a prepared audition for even maybe only two three four or five people um but they're people that are skilled people so they so they they either recognize that i have or don't have skill um or talent, or a gift, or <laughs> all of the things that might make up um, sure. what a performance comes from. But when you get with a group of people, you know, anywhere from 20 to 100 or 150, that's when there is this extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily powerful exchange of energy. Sure. We're speaking with the two of the performers in the Barn Players production of Witness for the Prosecution. It's an Agatha Christie mystery. It opens on Friday the 19th of January at 7.30 p.m. Performances continue that first weekend, Saturday the 20th at 7.30, a Sunday matinee on the 21st at 2 o'clock p.m., a special industry night performance on the 22nd. That is at 7.30 p.m. Then the next weekend as well, Thursday the 25th, 7.30, Friday the 26th, 7.30, Saturday the 27th, also 7.30, closing on Sunday the 28th at 2 o'clock p.m. at the Barn Players' uh, new home, the Johnson County Arts and Heritage Center, 8788 Metcalf in Overland Park, and Kevin remembers it uh, as well as I do as a, as a King Louis bowling lane at one time. In the summer of 1977, probably 76 as well, but in the summer of 1977, um, I often made the trip um, from my home in Raytown to pick up my girlfriend in the Northland and then all the way back down <laughs> on 435 and around over to Metcalf to go to Minsky's, to go to the Glenwood to see Star Wars, to mm. go to the King Louis, and she was an ice skater. I was not. 
Um, but yeah, that that place has a lot of a lot of memories for me. I also saw Star Wars at the uh, <laughs> at the to, Glenwood. That was the only place it was playing. <laughs> that's right. That's true. That's the only place. It How was many times playing. did you see it? Oh, uh, I think only once. I think the gals went back a second and maybe even a third time, but uh, I had it all the first time. I'm certain that it was 11 times that song. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that was uh, a lot of people talk about dates that they had and all of that back in those times as well. You, did you grow up in this area? I did uh, grow up in Kansas City in Prairie Village, as a matter of fact, and, and definitely remember the ice skating rink well, although I was not an ice skater, um, but certainly have memory. And, and just to kind of bring the play back in to focus for a second, um, I'll, I'll just fill in my little story a little bit after the singing to the dog. I, I did go on. Not in theater, though. <laughs> um, not in theater. I, I did go back to school, and I had a whole other career that was really beautiful and nurturing and expansive and exciting and unbelievable. However, I always, in the back of my mind, knew one day I was going to come back, right? Yes, yep. Kevin is there's nodding. No, you can't no see him, but he's nodding, right? Like, one day. And that's the thing about being bitten, you know, it's it's... It may be latent in, in us, but, and, and about this play, I have only recently moved back to Kansas City. I was in LA for a couple years during the pandemic and started only then doing theater again after all these years, which I will not say how many. <laughs> um, just will not. Uh, uh, I've been upfront about, hey, you know, hey, about my, hey, my hey, hey, it's different for women. <laughs> I, I, we're not gonna go there though. We're not gonna go there. Um, We've got to keep something secret, just like in the play. But when I uh, saw that the Barn Theater was doing auditions for Witness for the Prosecution, I thought, well, that's interesting. But I really didn't know what a fabulous play it was. I, I had no idea. I, I kind of remembered that it was a film with Marlena Dietrich and Charles Lawton. And, you know, and I remember seeing it maybe as a kid going, ah, whatever. But then I started reading parts of the play and thought, oh, this is really fun. Mm -hmm. These characters are fabulous, and the plot is a twisty, turny adventure. And so I went to the audition, and then I saw these other people, including Kevin. I'll remember, I remember I saw him. We didn't, we didn't know each other. But thinking, these people are good, and the director knows what she wants, and like, this is not what I expected at all. And then I began hearing some wonderful things about the Barn Theater, about how, you know, they've been, I knew they'd been around. I remember them from when I was a kid. But um, that the play has turned out to be everything and more than I expected. And I am really excited that we get the chance to perform it in front of an audience who can take on this, on this journey you know, I really feel like we're taking them on a journey. Yeah, my understanding um, is that this is the first uh, straight play that they've done in a long time. <clears throat> um, you were talking about how many times they've moved. Oh, There's yes. Been moves mm -hmm. recently. Um, but this is the first straight play they've done at least since before the pandemic. And I have done musical theater, but not in my adult lifetime. I, it's not something that I'm focused on. I am focused on mostly 
classic plays. That would be my favorite thing to do, and this is a classic. The language is a classic, the story is a classic, the characters are classic characters, and so this was, as soon as I saw this, it was very appealing to me. I haven't done anything with The Barn since 2014, but I was in a show with our director, Rachel Redler, uh, in 2014 called Noises Off, and so I knew her, and, uh, and between looking at the, the, the play that was being done and knowing her, I knew also that I wanted to get involved. Yeah, she, she's written, oh, I'm going to say 100 books. Maybe it's even more than that. Yes. How many have been plays? I think this one, That's Witness for the Prosecution, Ten Little Indians, because I was in a version of that. Yep. The Mouse Trap, I was in a version of that years ago. I don't know how many others there are, but she's always very... It's, it makes for a good play as, as well as a good book because the classic, everyone is kind of gathered, everyone that's still alive, is kind of gathered together at the end and, and there's a confrontation. Uh, that was the traditional Christie style of doing mm -hmm. things. Right. And mm -hmm. it, uh, it really caught on in its time. Well, let's talk a little bit about Witness for the Prosecution. Uh, imagine the Christie style and all of that and... What happens in uh, in witness for the prosecutions? Tell me about the the story, your your character, how he fits into all this. There's been a murder. Um, we open in the, my office, the office of Sir Wilfred, and the uh, accused. He hasn't yet been uh, brought in by the police, but the accused is seeking um, legal representation. Doesn't really know what he's doing at that point, but he's there to to talk about the possibility of being represented. And then we move from there to his arrest and then the trial, uh, the interview of the various witnesses, and then the closing part of the show is the final uh, courtroom scene in, in, in which all of the uh, things that Agatha has been working on and setting you up for are, are exposed. Yeah, that's, that's her style of doing things. Right. And uh, the uh, accused, who becomes the accused, as Kevin was saying, is um, Leonard Vole. That name is uh, stated so often throughout the play. Leonard Vole, who is uh, uh, maybe a bit of a ne'er-do-well. Really? Yeah, <laughs> and it's a very much a class system that we see, it's the 1950s in London. And so Leonard Vole is has returned from being in World War II, not that you know much before, hasn't really gotten his act together. However, he is a very charming, cockney, not even a gentleman, boy, young man, young man, yeah, yes. This is, this is Zach Smith. Who is wonderful? He is so perfectly cast in this role. He is absolutely wonderful. So he has. We are. We learn early on, um, been in a kind of a flirtatious relationship of some kind with a much older woman, age fifty-six. <laughs> much older. Enough said. <laughs> I Okay. There's, a, there's an exchange between myself and Mr. Vole in the early scene about uh, his perception of the age 56 and mine. <laughs> right. They are different. And this uh, older, quote-unquote, older woman is Miss Emily French, who happens to be a wealthy widow. So when she turns up having been murdered 
it, uh, the suspicion falls upon Leonard, who visited her quite often and had no money. And uh, so the case against him is quite strong. And it seems that the only alibi that he really has for where his whereabouts on the evening of the murder um, is his wife, Romaine Vol, whom I play, who is a quote-unquote, in the words of Christie, foreigner. <laughs> a foreigner. She's... She's Eastern European. Eastern European. Not Western. <laughs> Eastern, who's come out of the Russian zone. Uh, Leonard met her there and married her in Germany and brought her to the United States. Oh, sorry, not to the United States, to, to Britain. Uh-huh. Um, and so she is, she is the only alibi. However, um, the plot turns around this notion of whether or not a wife would be trusted to give the true whereabouts and the truth about her a beloved husband. And so what should she do about that reality? Yeah. And Sir Wilfred will, will fetter it out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the role of the detective in the story? Uh, no. Uh, Sir Wilfred is the counsel for the defense. They, you know, the see. British system, um, it, it, the way the play writes it, um, is that uh, the, the accused has his primary uh, attorney called the solicitor, and then he has the um, representation for the attorney and the defendant before the court, which is the counsel for the defense. I see. You know, all of her, well, not all, just about all of her stories involve the class system in one way or another. That's uh, one of the things that she uh, found particularly interesting I guess uh, she always worked those stories in to her stories as well as well as the uh, as the plays as well the plays uh, I've read a lot of the books and seen most of the plays similar in tone is there any uh, changes that uh, either of you can detect I don't read anything um, so I couldn't say oh. my <laughs> wife if my wife were here she could explain that for you but she knows all of Agatha Christie and all of all the other mystery writers but I know nothing Sure. I think, you know, relevant maybe to listeners, if it, they're like, you know, for those listeners who are like me, I love a good courtroom drama. I love a good murder mystery. And the more twists and turns and unexpected events that unfold, and the more I'm fooled about thinking who is who and who is good and who is evil, who's a criminal and who's telling the truth, the better. And that's what she gives us in this play for sure. And so I think that, you know, this tradition of, I don't know, from, what is it, Murders, Murder in the House? What is that show about with? Oh, oh, oh Murder, She Wrote? Murder, She Wrote, but yeah. then there's another one with, oh, gosh, I know I was going to forget. Well, she, she anyway, some modern, of these shows are said to be telev- patterned after yes. her. Yeah. So many modern TV shows from Law and Order onwards have been patterned on Agatha Christie, and I think for people who love that and who doesn't, people are going to love this show. And we don't really want to give away too much of the plot, right? Because there's something about this element of surprise. I actually think that, you know, even if you knew, uh, there'll there, there be plenty of people who will see the show that, that know how it turns out. They'll still enjoy the, the surprise quality of the ending, but we are not going to talk. I, well, I've been warned. 
more than I more than she warned you. I will not the absolute ending. So yeah, well that's typical. I had a director one time. I told them this before. For any of you out there that remember the the now late Etta Marie Carlisle, she directed a version of The Mousetrap that I was in years ago. She took the last five pages of, uh, <laughs> of the story out of each of our scripts, said, you will get this back when I think you're ready. <laughs> and so, some of the performers were not happy because they were very insecure. They didn't learn everything and have everything to learn right away. But uh, it worked out pretty well because uh, the mousetrap has a lot of twists and turns right. and unexpected things. Sometimes some might say very unexpected things. So it was probably uh, worth it as well. We're speaking with uh, uh, Kevin Myers and Sarah Lee Kahn talking about the Barn Players production of Witness for the Prosecution opens in... Well, this Friday, as a matter yes, of fact, the 19th Friday. at 7.30 p.m. Two weekends, oh, essentially. This Friday? This Friday, oh, Kevin. Well, <laughs> I'll be this, ready. This being the 15th, <laughs> and yes. it opens on the 19th as well, at the Johnson County Arts and Heritage Center, 8788 Metcalf. You can go online and learn more about it at thebarnplayers.org, or you can call their number 913-432-9100 and learn all about uh how, how you can make arrangements to come and see the show at the Johnson County Arts and Heritage Center. Tell us about, uh, uh, we're, almost, we're almost to our break, so let's just uh, ad lib for a moment before we take our half hour break. But I want to ask you about all the others, because there's a lot of Absolutely. suspects in there. Yeah. And I'm sure you ought to go on about uh, some of the suspects and what they might be thinking. So Wilford has probably only um, one other cast member as an identified uh, possible um, subject for having committed the murder. That is um, Janet McKenzie, who's played by Valerie Hanna. Um, the other uh, theories about who may have committed the murder really are centered on a burglary. Okay. So he, he distracts by talking about the possibility okay. of burglary. Let's leave it at that for now. We're going to take our mid-show break. When we return, more of the characters, what their possible motives might be, perhaps. Uh, whatever you want to disclose on that. I don't want you to give anything away. But it's hard in a Christie because everyone has a motive. <laughs> Absolutely everyone does. More on that when we return. You're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Freeze Frame! Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame, KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters and streaming. Tina Fey's hit 2004 comedy Mean Girls was adapted into a popular Broadway musical. The new movie is a cinematic version of that play. And Gary Rice leads the cast in the tale of a teen who rubs a nasty A-list student the wrong way when she falls for a certain guy. It justly skewers the high school cast system, but while the songs are well sung, they're unmemorable. Shout out, though, to Kansas City native B.B. Wood, who scores as one of the plastics. It's modestly amusing, but this Mean Girls is a bit more plastic than the original. Jeffrey Wright shines as a writer forced to compromise to sell books in the whip-smart comedy American Fiction. It has a lot to say about contemporary race relations, family bonds, and the absurdities of the publishing world. American fiction is easily one of the year's best films. Kevin Hart leads an international team of super-skilled thieves in the Netflix comedy heist movie, Lyft. 
Hart plays an art thief who's blackmailed into attempting to steal $100 million in gold from a 777 passenger jet, in mid-flight, no less. Think of it as a goofy mix of Ocean's Eleven and Mission Impossible. If you can lift your disbelief for a couple of hours, lift as a passable distraction. The latest Disney Plus Marvel series ain't for the kiddies. Echo is a spin-off of Hawkeye. It stars Aliqua Cox as a Native American woman who hones her skills to overcome her deafness and prosthetic leg and become a formidable crime fighter. It's rated TVMA for its adult material. Echo adds a certain crafty twist or two to the typical superhero formula. Well, that's it for this edition of Freeze Frame. Until next time, I'm Russ Simmons with Fox 4 and KKFI-FM. Freeze Frame! This is Maria Vasquez-Boyd, producer and host of Artspeak Radio. Starting Wednesday, January 24th, Artspeak Radio will air from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. We'll continue our mission to bring you the best in the art world. Tune in to Artspeak Radio, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., only on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide, you can dial the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or go to 988lifeline.org. This is a public service announcement of 90.1 FM KKFI. And welcome back to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station. Right here in Kansas City, I'm Michael Hogue, your host. You heard Maria talk about uh, her show, Changing Day. Not not day in her in her case, but time at least, 9 in the morning. Some of the morning talk shows that were on at noon will be on earlier in the day. That's not true in every case, but it is true in mine. I'll be on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Maria will be on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. And other shows will move. I guess 27% of the... Uh, of the program schedule is changing in some way. So just be aware of that. If, if you miss finding out where your favorite program is going, go to kkfi.org and look at the new schedule and you will see how all that is going to work for you. I hope it, uh, I hope it does work out for you and you can stay and enjoy your favorite shows. And remember, uh, it takes a little while to, to get it on, but all of the shows are uh, on podcast these days. So the show essentially never ends. How frightening is that? <laughs> the show never really ends. It can be listened to over and over and over again. <laughs> That's the way we are nowadays. When the station first started uh, over 30 years ago, uh, we were just on one time, and if someone missed that, that was it. And that's not true anymore, of course. You have plenty of opportunities to enjoy your favorite shows right here on 90.1 FM KKFI. Welcome back to the Arts Magazine right here on KKFI 90.1 FM. I'm Michael Hogue, your host. We're talking with the Barn Players today. They're doing the Agatha Christie classic Witness for the Prosecution with us, Kevin Myers, who plays the role of Sir, Sir Wilfred Robarts, and Sarah Lee Kahn, who plays the role, I, I guess, the, the wife of uh, someone who is suspected, uh, Romain, Romain, Romain Vol, and 
in the show, of course. And we were talking about some of the possible suspects. Christy is great at uh, coloring other people and making them look not so on the up and up. Uh, but with Christy, you can't take that seriously. She's just uh, setting you up for something, and you have to be aware of that. But you were discussing one of the characters. and Yeah. Housekeeper for this um, uh, character who's been murdered, um, Miss French, um, has been murdered, and her housekeeper is the only person that lives with her. So she is obviously, you know, a possible suspect because she's one of the few people with whom she has contact. So um, those are really the two suspects that um, are thought to be, um, you know, possibly the perpetrator. Um, as I said, what uh, Sir Wilfred, the Council for Defense, the, what he tries to do is to distract by suggesting that there's been a burglary and that it was just people who broke in that killed her. Yeah. Well, uh, that's too bad for him, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe he did uh, it. It's a very convincing story. <laughs> Maybe he did it. Maybe he did not. There are other characters you, you touched on, I guess, your husband in the show is also one of the suspects as well. Yes, Leonard Vole is the prime suspect because he had struck up a relationship with Emily French uh, against all odds. The optics of that relationship uh, look suspicious from the outset. This uh, sort of ne'er-do-well cockney uh, young man with not too many job prospects and nothing in his till, um, forming a friendship with a wealthy older woman. And so we, the question is, is, is however, he's a very charming man. It, the question is for the audience, is this charming, affable, likable young man telling the truth? Or is he not? And it brings up this really interesting question of who is to be believed? It's and, and something that I think is very relevant in our world, right? Who do we believe? How is that quote unquote truth or what is purported to be the truth packaged? Because you also have my character who is quote unquote, a, as Christy said, and I said earlier, a foreigner. She ha is not from the UK. She is not from the mainstream culture. She is different. She is a, 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 a not really welcome. And as uh, Sir Wilfred often says, she's just the wife, and who's going to believe a wife? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> wife and a foreigner. And a foreigner. Who against. Which Christie says explicitly who is going to believe, uh, you know, the foreigner and the wife. Yeah. So the way she sets us up to kind of kind of follow along these tropes about who is trustworthy and who is not is quite fun, really. She liked to set up her characters in this way. I wonder how she would be perceived if she were, for instance, alive today and all her works are classics really just about all of them would they think uh that uh, they need to be uh, put in a more politically correct way and, and what would agatha christie say about that uh, she certainly had her ways of doing things yeah uh, it's a good question um it seems to me that the way she wrote 
she could still write today because there was no one that was um, a suspect only because of their background or where they came from or their ethnicity or something. That it was, you know, it was fair play for everyone. Everybody could be a suspect, not necessarily in this play, but certainly in others. And so, I think it, you know, I think we may still be able to do this kind of. Uh, there still may be be able to be this kind of identification of characters even now. Oh, go, uh, go, no, go ahead. No, I, I agree. I mean, there, you know, if you do any digging, you can see that there are plenty of critiques of her work, and I will leave those critiques to the scholars. Um, what I appreciate is the way she writes for women. Um, y she is of her time, but she also writes powerful female characters. And the character I play is such a gift. It is so much fun because she is a very empowered woman. However, she is operating within a patriarchal system. And the way that Agatha Christie writes is to, ha to, to kind of describe and trace how does a powerful woman manipulate a system that she has no power over changing at this moment in time, and that moment in time. How can she manipulate it in any case? What can, what can a woman do? How can a woman use her charms or not uh, to express that power? And the various ways that Agatha Christie writes about that in our play is part of the fun. She, uh you think, at least I think anyway, that, that she is making a, a statement, but she's doing it through her characters, mm -hmm. and it's not really, of, of course it's connected to her, I, I can't say what, not really connected to her, but they are, but it's done in such an entertaining way, and thought-provoking way, mm -hmm. that uh, it just went, one of her, well, she had several, she used several characters of hers over the years. Uh, Jane Marple was one. Mm -hmm. Did she view herself as Jane Marple? Did she know a gentleman that uh, reminded her of uh, Hercule Poirot, right. <laughs> if I could <laughs> right. say that, and, and others as right. well? Right. Uh, in this, this is neither in Witness for the Prosecution right. do any of these characters play. So she went out instead. But uh, I wonder often if she were here, I, I would even ask. Did, did you have particular people in mind? I don't expect you to name them, but did, did people that you knew, situations that you saw, did this, uh, did this motivate you to have this character do what, uh, what you had them do in the story as well? Any thoughts? Uh, what do you think? I'm, only, I'm just thinking about, um, sincerely talked about how women are represented. Um, I feel like for me, um, uh, being Sir Wilfred, um, he, the script certainly indicates that he doesn't hold all women in a particularly high regard. Um, and so that's a little bit of a challenge for me because I'm not that way as a person. Um, but I do think that Sir Wilfred actually, um, it's more individual with him certain women will strike him and he will have total respect for them after you know getting to know them just a little bit and I think that's part of what happens in this play is that um, Sarah Lee's character gains his respect um, in some ways in some ways not um, 
But uh, that's part of what I'm thinking about with regard to Sir Wilfred is, um, as she, as Sarah Lee says, patriarchal society. He is um, at the top of his world, the top of his profession. His next step is a judge. Maybe he doesn't want to be a judge. Um, but um, even as a person who the script indicates is not particularly um, respectful of all women, he is open to having um, a woman impress him and becoming and becoming respectful of him. He's married, so at least one other woman has impressed him. So. <laughs> Christy, well, well, I'll go into it a little bit. She, but she, she had her own up ups and downs as well. I wonder how much that affected what she wrote and uh, the motivation for each one. Uh, in The Mousetrap, for instance, they've gone off to a, a guest house that's sort of isolated, and all of the stories have those kind of elements in them. Mm -hmm. And Witness for the Prosecution, does it take place entirely in the courtroom? Just two uh, scene locations, the um, office of Sir Wilfred um, and the courtroom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, makes it uh, makes it a little easier for you, but nonetheless complicated. Now, have we covered all the possible suspects? Now we yeah. want to do that. Yeah, we've done the suspects. I think um, I guess the script might leave open a possibility for the audience to maybe uh, think about somebody else. Um, but um, you know, we have uh, the other characters are people who fill out the courtroom, and people who are a part of uh, Sir Wilfred's world. Um, the um, Sir Wilfred's the solicitor for Leonard Vole that that uh, supports Sir Wilfred in the court is um, Mr. Mayhew, and that is I'm I'm trying to look down my list uh -huh. here. That's the kind of name she would use too, Mr. Mayhew. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's a kind of a she liked those upper class names, but then often. Uh, didn't treat those people with too much respect because uh, we all have flaws. But she made the flaws seem exaggerated to the point where they were they were suspects in her shows, of course. And uh, that's how she feels about it. Upon approaching this role, Romaine, uh, I don't know. What, what, did you have anyone in mind? Uh, well, I certainly knew that I did not want to revisit uh, Marlena Dietrich's performance in the film, and I had a vague memory of it because I think it's not uncommon uh, I, uh, for actors uh, not to want to see maybe iconic performances for fear of taking that on. I, I, I can, you know, I think a lot of us can be very uh, porous when it comes to seeing other actors' portrayals. And I absolutely did not want that. I can imagine Marlena Dietrich in the part. And I look forward the day after our show closes, I look forward to watching the film. <laughs> but oh. not until then. <laughs> not until then. I've allowed myself to see photographs of her in the, you know, just a still, a still photo is okay. But I, I, I was afraid that if I heard her voice, if I looked at, watched her mannerisms, that somehow I would take them on board, which I did not want to do. No, you don't want to do No, that. no, and, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't want, I, not that I could, even if I wanted to, uh, but it's so much more 
fun to kind of approach the character from the inside out, to get to know the character without any preconceptions about who they are and what to, to figure out what motivates them. You know, the, the person's history. So I was looking, thinking about Romaine. What we do know about her is that she um, was in Eastern Europe during the war. Um, she was in the Russian zone, so this was after the war when the Soviets came in. Um, and that's, she was basically a refugee, and, and her husband, the suspect, Leonard Vole, uh, was a, 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 a veteran and got her out of, of the country as a refugee. And I'm imagining, I imagined what must she have gone through before that moment in time. Was she a, a part of the resistance movement? I, I think she probably was, you know. What has prepared her for this moment in time as the play opens where her husband has been accused of murder? What prepares her to approach that moment in time? What in her past has led her to this, this spot and allows her to move forward in the ways that she does? So that is tremendous fun, tremendous fun. And I will say that I have great uh, partners in acting with uh, yeah, Kevin I, and also Mr. Mayhew. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> Taylor Hudson. Taylor. Um, the other uh, courtroom-involved um, people, uh, characters, are Heather Ann Norbury as um, uh, Sir Wilfred Robart's um, uh, counterpart in the courtroom, uh, Queen's Counsel, um, Ms. Myers, Inspector the Hearn. Prosecution. Yeah, Inspector Hearn is Paul Anderson. Uh, I told you before, Janet McKenzie is Valerie Hanna. The uh, she's the housekeeper for Miss um, French. We have Dr. Wyatt, um, played by Larissa Briley. Ms. Clegg by Katie Tribolino. Uh, Carter is Jeremy Walter. Greta is Georgia Wallace. We have Clerk of the Court Christoph Cording. Uh, the judge is a name a lot of people will know, Marshall Ryman, uh, police officer Steve Parker, juror Emily Hilton, and uh, Christine Pascoe is the other woman at the end of the show. Yeah, um, she, she often wrote uh, with large cast. Yes, shows. yes. I guess she wanted to have as many suspects as possible for all that. She, of course, had her own complications in her own life. Uh, there is the famous story based on reality. There was a Dustin Hoffman movie years ago called Agatha, and uh, I was fascinated. I was just fascinated. The actual Agatha Christie had disagreements with her husband. I, <laughs> if I remember correctly, he wanted to end the marriage and had left her. And uh, she decided that uh, she'd set him up. Well, that would be kind of fearful to have Agatha Christie <laughs> set you up with her knowledge of detail and all of that and possible background. Can you imagine? And with everything she knew about him. But she actually made it look like he had done away with her. And she went off to, I don't want to ruin the story for it. She went off <laughs> somewhere to, to hide, essentially. And in those days, could Agatha Christie hide anywhere? Mm. Apparently so. And, and it was in the film, anyway, Dustin Hoffman's character's job to, uh, to track her down, to make sure this guy didn't uh, 
didn't go to court or meet the gallows or whatever uh, <laughs> just because he was married and getting divorced from Agatha Christie. It, uh, I just find that fascinating. In our show, it's who's going to believe a wife. In that case, it was who's going to believe the husband. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All so interesting. The show is Witness for the Prosecution. Opens up this Friday the 19th at the Johnson County Arts and Heritage Center. And there are performances this first weekend. Also next Monday, a week from today, uh, Industry Night. They, most of the theaters, uh, a lot of the theaters do that these days. Uh, so if, if, if someone is in another show and the only night they can come and see it would be on a Monday, which is a traditionally dark day for the theater, uh, they can come. So that would be Monday the 22nd. So you can get involved in all that by going on the Barn webpage, which is thebarnplayers.org. You, yes, you have to put the the in there because there are other theaters throughout the country that are named Barn Players. So they that's what you do here, thebarnplayers.org. And they do have a number if they're more than likely for special considerations. If uh, there is a handicap person and they need assistance uh, with parking and how to get in, call them at their number 913-432-9100 and arrangements can be made. The Johnson County Arts and Heritage Center is, uh, is handicapped accessible, so that's, that's doable, but it would be good if they knew that ahead of time uh, for all of that. The show, of course, starts this Friday. Oh, the costumes. I wanted to bring up hmm. the costumes. Are we doing this in period? Oh, we are. It's 1950s, which is a fabulous time for fashion. And I think that we really are, with the help of our costume uh, director, costume coordinator, Emily, Emily, oh, we're going to get Emily's last name. Well, Emily, forgive well, me. That's I all right. We'll, we'll get Emily's job. <laughs> Emily Norton. Did you say Norton? Oh, no. I don't believe I said... Emily, she plays. She's also in the show, with the help of our beautiful costumer, whose full name we're going to say before we end. Kate Trivellino. No, that no. That's Katie. the. It's Emily. Oh. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get her name before well, <laughs> before the end. Ma- sure. Ma- she's maybe, sure. Maybe maybe. Oh, well, then sure. I did. Give, then maybe I did not. <laughs> That's Emily Hilton. Emily if, Hilton. Ah. I told you we were gonna get your name, Emily. Emily Hilton. Um, to help us really create that 1950s, a little bit noir kind of feeling. And then, of course, we have the drama and the costumes of the courtroom with the white powdered wigs and the court robes that is inherently just dramatic in and of itself. Um, <clears throat> I, will, I would love to say to the listeners, it is cold. We know it is so cold. Nobody wants to leave their cozy. Hopefully you have a cozy place to be. Nobody wants to leave, but I would say, I would encourage you to push through that little moment of discomfort to get in your car, to come in to a beautiful theater with ample parking that is cozy and warm and where you will have a delightful, deliciously wicked time um, <laughs> with, with this beautiful cast led by Rachel Reidner. Rachel Redler is Redler. the director. Yeah. yeah. Does she have any specific advice? We don't have much time left, but any specific uh, notes uh, for you? Like, like don't, don't act like it was your character. Uh, avoid that at all no, costs. No, 
I think Rachel is very, she's a great director in that she gives suggestions, but she doesn't give directives. Uh, it's been a long time since I worked with a really heavy-handed director, but I would say she's, per, she's particularly light touch. Um, she's, she's trusting all of, the, uh, all of the actors to do their own work. Yeah. Sounds like an exciting show. Witness for the prosecution. The, uh, the Agatha Christie written. Did she also do the uh, play adaptation uh, as well as the book? Oh, yes. Okay. Very good, yeah. So it probably has that special Christie touch to it. I want to thank both of you for coming. You're both uh, filled with delightful stories, I must say. <laughs> Kevin Burns, who plays <laughs> the role of Sir Wilfred Robarts, doesn't really want to be a judge if he gets promoted. Uh, I think not. I think, okay. he, I think he likes his role. I like the way you have the mindset of your character yeah, down. So. And Sarah Lee Kahn, what is, uh, where, where does she hope uh, happens here? Does she want her husband to get off or perhaps oh, not? Well, we'll just have to leave that for the people who attend the show, the that. audience, to, she does. She to does. learn. She does. To learn. In what, Sarah Lee, do you have any to. upcoming roles after you finish this? Um, no, but if anyone's out well, there, she's open. Like to. <laughs> what about, Consider me. What, what about available. Kevin? <laughs> available. <laughs> He's available As also. long as I don't have to audition in front of a St. Bernard puppy, I'm good. <laughs> there you go. And if you missed the first part of the show, that, that was explained <laughs> quite well, I thought. Thank you both for coming. Kevin Myers, Sir Wilfred Robards, and Sarah Lee Kahn, who plays the role of uh, Romaine Vol in the Barn Players presentation of uh, Witness for the Prosecution, begins this Friday, the 19th at 7.30 p.m., essentially two weekends, with that Monday show on the 22nd uh, added as well. So essentially uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight performances as well. Uh, do, do, do you think they could get all the clues if they saw it a second time? Or is it one of those kind of shows? <laughs> no, I don't think it's left in that much uh, darkness. No. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for being Thank with you. us. Thank you. Mike. The Jazz Canadian is next. He'll have some wonderful Canadian. Well, not necessarily Canadian. He plays all genres of jazz. <laughs> uh, and he'll be here. So it will be jazz from 1 to 3. It will be the blues from 3 to 6 right here on your community radio station, 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City's community radio. So the next time we meet, ladies and gentlemen, at the Cross in the Road, which will be next Tuesday at 9 a.m., I'm Michael Hogue. We'll see you next time.